went to Yap in 2004, and a lot of the reason why we're still there is because of two people that I want to just mention today, Bob and Polly Whitmore. And uh, for the six months we were there, I worked with Bob closely. We were starting to build his house, and um, Bob is basically the one who showed me how to live there. He was there for six months with me while Paul was on furlough and um, had a special part in um, just getting us acquainted to the Yappies and showing us how, where everything was and how to live. And Bob became my fishing buddy. So every Monday, me and Bob would go casting for uh, about three or four hours and we'd catch some fish and it was just a great uh, opportunity for us to become friends. And um, just uh, Bob gave, I believe it was about 12 years of his life in Yap and recently, uh, him and Polly moved back to the States, but um, they had a great impact on our family. Um, Polly taught the kids piano, and she obviously taught Diane a lot of things about living there in Yap. It was a real uh, blessing to have them. And our team includes my brother Paul, and uh, it included Bob, but now he's gone. So Paul and myself are on the island, but now we have plenty of uh, young guys that are serving God there in Yap, and they're... Be, they've become our teammates now, so we're, I'm so thankful for the guys that Harvest is able to train and then send back. And right now, um, one of your grads, Patwin, is working, um, running our church service today. And then um, Lucy has a huge part in the children's program, and she picks up a lot of people from her village and brings them. And um, it's just really a blessing to work with these guys. And so uh, if you have a Bible, let's turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, verse 24 says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generation, but is now made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Praise the Lord for this passage because... I believe that God is trying to get across the message of true service, and he's saying to gear up for service. When we first went to Yap, we were following after Paul and Bob. They had been there for two years, and they had been given a sawmill for their work. And later on, we got a bandsaw. But in order to meet people in Yap, it's a very difficult process. And so God allowed or gave them a vision of using this sawmill to meet people. And that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years is using the sawmill. This, uh, just uh, telling pastor this morning, two weeks ago, the chief of the village came to me and asked me if I would be willing to cut some coconuts uh, for the village. They were having village work day. And uh, there were about 12 coconut trees that he wanted milled. They had cut them into two sections. And so we made slabs of two-inch thick coconut so they could put it on the floor of a koyang. They were building a koyang for another village, and they needed someone to do that. I was able to use that opportunity 
and just do it as a service to the community. And that's how we've established our friendships. That's how we've established a platform to share the gospel. And today I want to just talk to you about gearing up for service because in every trade we need tools. Before I was in roofing, we had a roofer needed certain tools to do what he needed to do. We did a lot of hand nailing, so we needed a roofing hatchet. You need a hook blade so that you can cut the materials. You need a, a pouch that you can carry it in. And every trade has its tools. And I believe that in serving God, we need the tools for the trade. Service is a duty, and it's also a delight. It's all in energy, an all-out endeavor. It's an adventure to serve God. But in order to do that, we need what God wants to give us so that we're equipped for the service that he called us to. Growing up, I'm from a family of nine children, and there were five boys and four girls. My dad taught in Christian service, so he didn't have a lot of money. And dad was looking for an opportunity so that we could get some extra money to be able to, to uh, live on. And so he was working a, a side job for a man who was making these little things called pin plates for the textile in industry. And what these pin plates would do is you would put little pins in the plates, they would have pre-drilled holes, and you would put the little pins in the plates and then they would press those pins down and that's what would grab the garment when it was in the loom and it would pull the garment tight. And so my dad was watching these, these workers in this company and these workers were just kind of putting the pins in there and it was a big drudgery to them. And my dad thought of an idea. He thought, you know, I'll, what I'll do is I'll take the pin plates home and then all of my kids will sit together at the table and we'll put the pins in the plates. So that was our job on Friday nights. My mom would make popcorn, and then we would all sit there and put the pins in the plates. And some of these pin plates had 40 holes in them. And you had to take these little teeny pins and put them in there. But our fingers were made for the job, so all of us kids would, would learn how to use both hands and put those pins in the plates. But then my dad told us, every pin plate that you do, I'm going to pay you a nickel. And guess what that did? It made all of us want to work harder. And, it, and work became exciting now because we were making money. And so all of us were trying to see how much we could do. Those are one of the things that we did to survive. But this duty became a delight. And that's what I believe God wants us as we're serving him. He wants it to be a delight. Now it's, it could become drudgery if we're not careful. It will not always be easy. There are dark clouds and there are, there's high wind on the horizon. We can see it coming. And these clouds of doubt in our hearts, they arise and we say, God, did you really bring me all the way here for this to happen to me? After all, look what I gave up. But if your goal is to do God's will, it'll take the pressure off of you. If your goal is to do God's will, there are clouds of disappointment. And God wants to get you through this disappointment. He wants to get through to you through that disappointment. So that you take your eyes off of yourself and you look to Him. Through the discouragement that comes, even the danger that comes. Gearing up for service requires, first of all, a readiness to suffer. A readiness to suffer. God's power produces a willingness to suffer in you and I. 
It takes our attention off of, oh no, what if this happens? He gives us a willingness to go through with whatever it takes to get the job done. Some of you are in the military. When a person enlists, he works on readiness. And he trains for the day when he goes active. And when it becomes time to go active, occasionally you might hear someone shouting, I didn't sign up for this. This is not part of my contract. God helping us. We will say, I'm willing to go through this because that's what Jesus did. All those that went before us to share the gospel, it cost them something. It's a team effort. Together, we can share the message of the gospel. God's power in us produces a willingness to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Concerning Paul in Acts 9, 15 and 16, Jesus said, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. For I must show him how many great things he must suffer for my name's sake. He did suffer, but that was not Paul's message that he preached. He didn't preach about all those times where he was suffering. His message was 2 Timothy 2.3, you endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Say, well, you know, I'm not a missionary and I'm not living in a, in a third world country. But if you're a Christian, you will suffer for your faith at some point. You might lose friends. It might cost you something. He says endure it as a good soldier. Your reputation... Are you aware that it's coming? Are you aware that you'll be tempted to quit? What does your allegiance to Christ cost you? Your reputation with those you respect? Are you willing to gear up for an all-out endeavor and follow Him with what He's given you? In our island, we do a lot of fishing because we live by the ocean, and that's what a lot of people eat. And so there are those that are fair-weather fishermen, And uh, they wait for a nice sunny day to go out. And they wait for the waves to go down. And they wait for the, the wind to cease so they'll have a good experience on the ocean. But the problem is, really, the best time to go fishing is when you got nasty weather. Isn't that true? When it's raining, that's when fishermen look to the sky and say, it's time to go to the ocean. Because that's when the fish bite. The water cools off. The fish come to the top. And in ministry, it's no different because we are, instead of trying to catch fish, we're trying to share the gospel. And many times the storms come up in ministry. Things go wrong. We have problems that come up. We don't want to be fair-weather Christians because during that stormy time in your life, when everything is going wrong, when everything is falling apart, that's when you see God's light shine the brightest. And that's when God works in mysterious ways, in incredible ways, and we say, wow, that could have only been God through that situation. God called you. He called you to go through it because He knew that you could handle it. And He knew that you would bring Him glory through it. And that's why He called you to go through it. He didn't call you to go through it so you could say, woe is me. Look how I've suffered. That was not Paul's message. 
His message was, endure it as a good soldier. Go through it, and you'll come out stronger. And God's glory will be exalted. His name will be exalted in the nations. We need a willingness and a readiness to suffer. Secondly, a readiness to spread the good news in verse 28. He says, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. A readiness to spread the good news, preaching with our life and also preaching with our words, the source of Paul's preaching, not human knowledge, not just religious theories, but wisdom which is from above. That was the source of his preaching. I've heard him say on our island that, that when certain people come up for a Bible study, they bring other books and they don't study the Bible. That's the source of our preaching. Not in other books, it's in the Word. The Word of life. The subject of his preaching was Jesus Christ. The prevailing and central theme of the Bible. Jesus and the souls to whom he preached. The Gospel is reach is wide, he says. Every man, every man, every man. Imagine if we were to try to plant a coconut and take it to Wisconsin, dig a hole in our front yard and put a coconut in the front yard and say, now, this summer, I'm going to have coconuts. I'm looking forward to this. I just want to crack one open and drink it, then eat the white stuff inside. I can't wait. But that coconut isn't going to make it in Wisconsin. And that apple tree we want to plant here in Guam on the front yard so we'll have beautiful, crispy red apples and we can just pick them off. It's not going to work because these seeds are, are only best grown in certain climates. But the thing about the gospel is its reach is wide. It'll grow, it'll flourish here in Guam as it is. It'll grow in Yap. It'll grow in Japan, in, in Africa. I had a visitor come and share some time with our family. Great time. We love it when you guys come down and visit us. It's a, it's a lot of fun. We enjoy it. This guy was from here. I'm not going to name his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But he said something to me. I took him over to meet the chief. And after we were talking to the chief, we were walking away. And here's what he said to me, and, it's, and I've never forgot it. It was many years ago. He said, Mark, it's not your job to test the soil. It's your job to keep sowing the seed. This guy isn't a preacher. He actually didn't come to preach. But you know what? He preached a message to me, and I've never forgot it. Because I was going around testing the soil, saying, I wonder if this guy will accept Christ. I'm trying to target certain people. And, and he said, just sow the seed. And that's what God wants us to realize. Are you ready to gear up? Today we have cars, trains, and planes. Paul had none of these. He rode on ships to his location. He walked on foot. A lot more difficult to get where he was going to be going. But he knew the call, and it was the call to preach. He wanted to share the gospel. I read that one missionary once who worked in the desert area, said this, that the greatest crime of the desert was to know where the water was and not to tell it. That was the greatest crime in the desert. 
In 2 Kings 7, verse 9, we find a story about four men that had leprosy. You're you're well aware of this story, but I just want to point this out to you. These men were starving to death in their search for food. They They were, the whole city was dying. So they made a choice to enter the Assyrian camp. They came in at evening time. And they knew they, they probably weren't going to survive. They knew that the, the enemy was going to kill them. But they said, you know what? We're going to die anyway. Let's go into the city and let's try to find something to eat. Maybe they'll have mercy on us. So they came in at nighttime. And when they got there, no one was there. They walked through the gate. Everything was there. There were no people. But all the food was sitting there on the tables. The horses were still there. The donkeys. All of their belongings. Gold, silver, everything. But there were no people there. And so these guys look at each other and they say, it's time to eat. So they start eating. And they ate as much as they could. And after they were full, they went in and they grabbed some beautiful things. Clothing, gold, everything. They ran out. They they hid it. They ran back in and they got some more. About the third trip into the city, they look at each other and they say, what are we doing Back home in in Samaria, there's people dying right now because they need food. And if we invite them, there's no way we can carry all this away by ourselves. This stuff is going to spoil. They said in verse 9, we cannot hold our tongues. We need to tell somebody about all of this food. So they went back into the city and they told the king. And the king made an announcement and the whole city came out and were fed on that food. It provided more than they needed. The Assyrian army heard the noise of chariots and a marching army coming. And they were afraid. And they said, we've got to get out of here. So they left. They ran for their lives. All it was was these four lepers walking in, starving to death. Probably couldn't have lifted a finger to hurt anybody. But they all ran. Let me ask you a question today. Are we ready to bring the good news of life to a starving world? The water of life to those that are thirsty? A readiness to preach the gospel. Thirdly, a readiness to strive hard, to work hard. Okay, verse 29, Paul says, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which he worketh in me mightily. Paul says, because God is working in me mightily. In an incredible way, he's he's making me strong and he's giving me the ability to work. And so I have this readiness to strive hard, to work hard. It's been said that among the ranks of Christians, there are workers and there are shirkers. There is no doubt which one of these groups Paul belonged to. Paul was a worker. He knew what needed to be done and he got it done. My dad taught each one of us boys how to work hard by his example. He used to say, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I worked with my dad in a foundry while I was in college. And he used to tell me, if there's nothing to do in your station, you pick up a broom and you go around and start sweeping. Find something to do. Because work is important. And in the ministry... There are times when it doesn't seem like anything's going on. But instead of wasting time, let's get to work. Let's become creative. Let's try to meet some people. 
Get involved in the community. Get a hobby where you can meet people so that you can share the gospel because after all, you're working for Jesus. He's the boss. Paul says, I work because he is working in me. Verse 29, his working which worketh in me mightily. He says, I'm doing what I'm doing because Jesus is doing it through me. No emphasis is placed on the worker. It's on the one who is working. It's Jesus. He's doing this through me. And we have to be ready to work hard. If you signed up for God's service, expect suffering. Expect a, an opportunity to preach the gospel. And expect, expect an opportunity to work hard. You know, when I was in, in high school, I wrestled um, for the high school that, that I went to. We had an Olympic coach. He was an Olympic champion for a coach. His name was Ben Peterson. And um, he would always emphasize working hard. And wrestling um, was a very difficult sport. And we had to cut weight, and we had to, we had to go to all kinds of activities and run stairs and, and try, to, uh, try to make ourselves strong so that when it came to the match, we didn't run out of energy. And the beautiful thing about the Christian walk is that no amount of exercise can prepare us for this work that God has called us to. It is surrendering ourselves to him completely. And when we surrender to him, he says, I will work through you mightily. I think the key to the Christian walk is to surrender yourself to him. Say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'll do it. 2 Corinthians 9.8 is my next passage that I'd like to read for you. 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food and multiplied for your seed sown and increased the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which God causes through us, uh, through us, thanksgiving to God. Mankind is made up of three kinds of people. Those who work, those who pretend to work, and those who don't work at all. And God wants us to know that if we surrender ourselves to work and be faithful in what he's called us to do, it'll have an impact on those around us. Just sow the seed is what he's saying. When we went to Yap, we didn't know a lot of people. We were going, um, first six months, I stayed in Paul's house and we helped out with his ministry. There was another missionary that was there and he was, um, he was actually preaching at Yap Baptist Church at the time. It was Bob Whitmore. And so we kind of swapped houses, and I lived in Paul's house doing some projects. And when we came over to Yap Baptist Church, six months later, we didn't know anybody. But little by little, God has allowed us to meet people by using our hands, by doing the things that God has given for us to do. Bob and I, the first uh, six months, made about 3,000 blocks with a block plant that we had. We had to dig the sand 
And then we had to, um, the black plant would, you would take the sand and then you would take some cement, put it in a mixer, you'd mix it up, and then you would take that, uh, it was like, a, kind of like a big ball of mud, and you'd put it in this form, and then the form would vibrate, you'd raise, you'd raise a handle and slam it down, and it would pack it. And then you would pull a bar and lift off those blocks. It was very labor intensive. It took us, to make 3,000 blocks, it took us about three months. And just little by little, we were involving the locals with us. And so that's how we met a lot of people. We'd go down to the beach and we would dig sand, and then we would, um, we would also work with them, and, and many times they would help us to uh, do the blocks. And then as we went along in the project, we, would, um, we needed wood, so we were milling. And we were milling with people. We were working with people so that we would meet them and be able to share the gospel with them. In every step of the, the building process, we involved as many people as we could. And at the end of the project, um, we had a, a group picture and there was a bunch of people there, people that had worked with us. And I, I think that the best way to meet people in, in, on these islands and on any, in any mission field is to work alongside of them and to share the gospel. God used that and is continuing to use that in the lives of many people. And if we're willing to work, there's no, there's no place God can't take us. If you're willing to use what God has given you in your hands to work, just so thankful for the opportunity to share what God is doing in Yap. And I'm, I'm looking out at a crowd of people who I know that God has a plan for you right where you live. He's got people that he wants you to reach. He wants you to know that you have to be willing to suffer if you want to reach people. It's going to cost you something. You've got to be willing to share the gospel with people if you want to see results. And you've got to be willing to work hard because those are the three key ingredients that Paul talks about here as, a, as getting the message out to a lost and dying world. He wants to use you right where you are. And so that's my message for today. Use it in your life. Let, let God work through you to reach the lost.